How to Escape Groupthink. Buckle up, because this one's going to be fun. I have no fear whatsoever of anybody or anything. Welcome, 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 family, back to another episode of YB Speaks, where we are changing the narrative, bringing uh, uh, all the topics to you that your mother told you to keep off of the dinner table, politics, current events, religion, all of that good stuff. Uh, But again, we're also changing the narrative. We're trying to help you be a better you all around. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been supporting this podcast uh, thus far. We're almost, ladies and gentlemen, we're almost to 100 episodes. We may be close to it, right at it, or just over it. Um, I need to count um, and see how many episodes we've been doing. Uh, I've been doing this for a while. Uh, this podcast just to be called Jacob Seed's po- Jacob Seed Podcast. And then I uh, changed the name to YB Speaks because I wanted the words to be from me. And I didn't want to actually, you know, have to represent a whole uh, group of people. I didn't want to broad brush anything. I want these words to be directly from me. So if the shoe fits, hey, join the party. If it doesn't, I'm still glad that you are here. Check this out. Uh, I have a store so you can support this podcast by going to ybspeaksstore.com. It's in the description, one of the description links below. Uh, Support this channel by doing that. You can look fly and support this channel at the same time. Um, Also, you can uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, that supports me as well, that supports this podcast. Uh, Continuing to listen to this podcast, continue to support this podcast, sharing this podcast with five people that you know, that helps support the podcast. So anyway, you guys support the podcast. I generally, generally appreciate it. So let's get right into this episode, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about groupthink. So some of you have heard of the term groupthink. Some of you have not. You're like, what the heck? Why be uh, Yermiyahu? What are you talking about? I have no clue what groupthink is. And other people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that, but I don't kind of really know what it is. So we're going to uh, define what it is today. And we're going to give you several tips and tools on how to escape groupthink. It's a very dangerous thing. And unfortunately, because America right now is so polarized politically, uh, racially, uh, uh, religiously, uh, it has given ample uh, ammunition to the rise of groupthinks in so many different segments of different people. So just a broad definition of groupthink It, it says uh, groupthink is a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals who share similar opinions and beliefs begin to conform to those opinions and beliefs without critically evaluating the information. This can lead to a dangerous situation where the group makes irrational or harmful decisions and the individuals within the group are unable to think independently, escaping groupthink requires an awareness of danger of the dangers it poses and a willingness to critically evaluate the information and opinions presented by the group. So what I want to go through, I want to go through um, a few key factors, uh, a few key factors um, of groupthink, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, about three of them. And then I want to give you um, about four or five steps 
to escape groupthink. And then what I want to do is I want to read something to you that uh, I went over in my synagogue during um, during our Torah uh, study um, last week that actually talked about group. Then I was like, wow, I'm about to do a podcast on this. Uh, it's We're talking about it uh, in our Torah uh, portion, our Torah club. So this is just uh, a divine coincidence. So uh, that's 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 pretty awesome. So let's let's get right into this. And we're talking about group things. So. Uh, again, it's a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals who share similar opinions and beliefs begin to conform to those opinions and beliefs without critically evaluating the information. Okay. One of the key factors, one of the key factors contributing to groupthink is the presence of a strong leader or a dominant figure within the group. So when we're talking about polarizing groupthink today, think Barack Obama, think Joe Biden, think Donald Trump. All right. So these are three major figures when we're talking about, at least in the, in the political sphere, we're talking about groupthink. If we're talking about um, talking about uh, religion, maybe think the Pope. Uh, and I'm not putting the Pope in the same position as these people, but these are bigger figures. If, if you're about my age, if you're an 80s baby, you know the name Jim Jones, right? Uh, we use the colloquialism, don't drink the Kool-Aid because of Jim Jones. Um, another figure, um, Adolf Hitler would be another uh, huge figure in history, right? When we talk about groupthink, Napoleon would be another huge figure in history uh, when we're talking about groupthink, all right? So the in, this individual this dominant figure within the group uh, often sets the tone for the group so how they move the group moves the group becomes a microcosm of this one figure okay and others within the group feel pressure to conform to their opinions and beliefs they feel pressure to conform to their the the, the group leaders opinions and beliefs so People begin to check their brain, as they say, at the door, and they conform to whatever this group leader believes. This can be particularly dangerous in a work environment where a manager or boss may have a significant influence on their subordinates. Or, that's the example they give, but or I would say that this can be particularly dangerous in a religious setting, right, where somebody is soliciting your funds, We've seen this happen over and over. There's plenty of documentaries about pastors who uh, have great charismatic personalities and people are caught up in those personalities. And then all of a sudden, well, you're giving your life savings over to somebody that you really don't even know. All right. Um, I think I I read an article back in 2009. It was a while ago. Uh, I was talking about the financial crisis of 2008 and how mega churches excuse me, how mega churches played a huge role in the financial collapse of 2008. So we had these pastors telling these folks to go out and buy houses that they could not afford. They couldn't afford them. But because of prosperity gospel, people believe that, you know, God had given this them a divine, uh, divine assignment, I guess, these words that they use, kingdom, assignment, uh, all these different catchphrases they use, right? And we'll get into catchphrases later. But 
to capture, captivate people. And they went out and they bought their houses and they use what's called an arm. It's called an adjustable rate mortgage, which means that on the front end, you buy a house for a very um, small amount when it comes to the rate, right? Comes to the interest rate. The interest rate is pretty low, but it's an adjustable interest rate, which means in about five years or so in, Five to seven years in, I think, or maybe even two years, maybe even less than that, the interest rate is, is, is called a balloon payment. So this interest rate skyrockets and you have this, this huge payment that most people can't even afford. The trick is once you, once you do the arm, because the reason why people do the, the adjusted mortgage rate is because you can get a really low interest rate. You don't have to put that much down up front. But the trick is, you know, about a year or two in, you got to go refinance your house so you can get a fixed rate, Right. And you can still pay about around the same that you were paying before. But a lot of people weren't told this by the banks. And these pastors of these mega churches were telling people to go out and buy these homes and using these adjustable rate mortgages, what they call arms. People did not know about the balloon payment. They could not afford it. A lot of houses uh, went to foreclosure all at around the same time, creating this big economic crisis, which we know is a 2008 uh, recession. Um the, the housing market bubble just it, it, it busted. And I was reading this article again, how this how mega churches and the message that they gave to their parishioners kind of contributed to some of the meltdown of 2008 financial crisis. So it's not just managers, it's not just political figures, but it's also religious figures that can contribute greatly into this groupthink. So another, uh, another factor contributing to groupthink is the lack of diversity within the group. And when I say diversity, I don't, I don't just mean white or black or whatever, but diversity of thought, where you come from, your background, your political, all this stuff, all that's important when we talk about diversity. Because you can have a bunch of black people in one room and they all think different, vote different, uh, come from different countries, have different uh, cultural um, affinities and all these different things. So if you take somebody in a group, you take a black person from Detroit, you take a black person from Houston, you take a black person from Haiti, you take a black person from uh, Trinidad and Tobago, you take one from St. Thomas, one from Jamaica, you go on and on and on on the West. But all these people, are gonna, they're going to sound different, look different maybe, uh, believe different things religiously, politically, maybe vote different, have different cultural affinities, different cultural um, you know, different things that's culturally different. I remember uh, someone... Uh, saying I watch this radio show, listen to this radio show in the morning uh, before I go to work every morning. And when he was talking about how he was, uh, the guy was talking about how he's, he's, he's from the Queens, uh, but his wife is from Houston. So it was a complete culture shock when he went to Houston because in Queens, he was like, yo, like most of the people, the, the culture's different. It's a concrete jungle. Like 50% of my friends is from the West Indies. I go to Houston. You know, it's a bunch of black folks and folks are literally black people are riding horses down the street. Like he was shocked. I've never seen that, like riding a horse. I've heard of that, but I've never seen it. Um, but that's kind of culture. So just because you're the same color, skin color, doesn't mean that you share the same ideas, right? It doesn't mean that you share the same cultural affiliations. It doesn't mean that you share the same religious upbringing. So diversity can look different in all different kind of ways. But anyway, I digress. So what I was saying is one of the factors of groupthink is a lack of that diversity. 
So when individuals come from similar backgrounds and have similar experiences, it can be difficult for them to challenge each other's opinions and beliefs. Right. That's, that's, that's key right there. The lack of diversity can lead to a homogeneous group of group dynamic where everyone within the group is thinking in the same way and no one is considering alternative viewpoints. Ladies and gentlemen, this how this is how things like Black Lives Matter and Antifa grows with no checks and balances and just gets out of hand. This is how you get people rioting, looting, burning down their own neighborhood and nobody is saying a word. This is how you get the lie from the left, from black leftist people, unfortunately, that the United States is system so racist that racism is so ingrained into the country that black people can never make it and will and will never make it and never be anything. Right? So these are these leftist viewpoints that operate within the black community because unfortunately 95% of us vote Democrat. 95% of us believe the words that's coming from the left and 95% of us do not check any kind of alternate viewpoints whatsoever because the Democrats and the left have convinced us that if you vote Republican, you are coon and you ain't black. If you are conservative, then you are okay with racism. And what I've said over and over on this podcast is that we have to check our history and know that number one, it was black people that created the Republican party. Yes. Look it up. It was black people that helped create this young political party. One of the main people was Frederick Douglass. It was blacks and abolitionists to slave. The whole, the whole party was built off of being anti-slavery. We had a whole bunch of uh, uh, abolitionists who were a part of this party back in the 1800s. Uh, Frederick Douglass being one of them, one of the founders of this party. Um, and having the same arguments that we're having today that you know the Democratic Party is just full of lies and they're actually full of racism uh, themselves, but they, they hide it behind their policies. They're not open about it. They're overt about it, but that's another podcast for another day. But if you're stuck in groupthink, you cannot consider alternative viewpoints. That becomes dangerous because now you're stuck in one way of thinking far too long. And what's happened is the black community has been so bewitched by the Democrats, that we will vote Democrat all the way down, down the list year after year after year after year after year. We, we've been doing it since the 50s. We're doing it since the 50s. A lot of us. And then on the big scale, we've been doing it since the 70s and the 80s on a big scale. So the majority of us, some of us in the 50s, not a lot of us, some of us, but because FDR and all this stuff going on, uh, we kind of did that. Um, I'm sorry, that was the, the 30s. So FDR started kind of in the 30s with FDR and all this stuff. And then in the 60s, uh, it definitely started because Lyndon Johnson signed the, uh, the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act and all these different things when he really didn't want to do that. It was the Republican Senate and the Republican House that pushed it through. It was actually the Democrats who did filibusters to stop it from getting through. But again, another podcast for another day. Then we start voting Democrat, especially in the 70s and the 80s because of that, right? But what happened is, we do it like it's like it's robotic now to the point where Joe Biden can say that if you're if you don't vote for him, you're not black. 
yes, if you don't vote for him, you're not black. He can say things like uh, have a bunch of black kids around them and talk, talk to them and refer to them as cockroaches. What? Yet we still give him their vote. We still give him our vote because he's a Democrat. He can say the wildest stuff, but we still vote for him. Now, does that exist on the other side too? A hundred percent it does. Donald Trump came. He can say whatever the heck he wanted to say. But if you were a Republican, you were going to vote for Donald Trump. So we're not, I'm not, the Republicans are not absolved of this. But the thing is, the majority of black people, 95% of us vote Democrat. So I'm going to touch on the Democrat stuff, not the Republican stuff, because Republicans ain't our problem. We're in the Democrat Party and our neighborhoods are getting worse and worse and worse every single year. Been getting worse ever since we made that switch to a Democratic leftist ideas. And we've left the conservative family values that we had when our communities were strong. And that's all because of groupthink. One party convinced us that it's the party for black people. We got in there. There's no diversity of thought. There's no diversity of policies, no diversity of opinions. Nothing can be challenged because if you vote outside of this, you think outside of this, you're not black. When in actuality, people even running the left are not even black themselves. It's majority old white men, but I digress. So the desire to maintain harmony and avoid conflict is another factor that can contribute to groupthink. So I would rather not have a hard conversation and not argue with my brother and sister than to tell them that I actually think the Democrats are trash. I'm not one of them people. I'll tell you the Democratic Party is trash because I'm not a I'm not afraid of conflict. Um, and I'm I don't I don't seek to maintain harmony with anybody that I think is wrong. That's just my opinion. Uh, when individuals are in a group, they may be reluctant to voice their differing opinions for fear of causing tension or disrupting the group's unity. This reluctance to challenge the status quo can prevent the group from considering alternative viewpoints and can lead to irrational or harmful decisions. So we see this in politics. We definitely see this in religion. We definitely see this in religion, right? So, for instance, um, I got a good, a good friend of mine. I would call him my brother. And he said that when he was coming into Christianity, when he, when he very first came to Christianity, um, him and one of his partners were re- just reading the Bible. Uh, they started in the book of Genesis. I think they read the whole Torah. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they noticed that in the Torah, it talked about how that th- this, this law of Moses and how it's, how it's eternal, how it's forever and how it's perpetual and how the children of Israel and those, the strangers that attach themselves to Israel, how they are to uh, walk in this law and walk in this way all the days of their lives and all of their dwellings. So they go to their church, have a sit down with their pastor and their pastor tells them, well, you know, uh, Jesus nailed all that stuff on the cross. Laws done away with. Uh, you don't have to walk in the law because Jesus done, did away with the law. Now, obviously ignoring Matthew 5, 17, where Jesus himself said, hey, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law where uh, Romans at the end of Romans chapter three, where Paul says, hey, you ought to actually do the law in Romans seven, where uh, to uh, to against popular belief, 
uh, Paul is actually arguing for you to uh, follow the law. And at the end, the last few chapters of Acts where uh, at the end of Paul's life, he is actually defending the law of Moses. All these different key points that we just kind of skip over. And as you can tell, I am a, uh, to put it in the most simplest terms, a Torah observant Christian. Okay. Um, it's a bit deeper than that, but again, that's that you can go down to old episodes under the Jacob seed moniker to understand what all that stuff means. But I'm saying that to say that in that conversation, one brother who's my brother decided to challenge, right? To challenge, um, the idea within the group. He didn't care about harmony. He cared about truth. He didn't care about conflict. He wanted to understand and grow. His friend just took it because that was a pastor. He loved the pastor, respect the pastor. And obviously, I mean, you should, right? Um, so he took it, went with it. So uh, his friend, he said his friend went one way deep into Christian. I think his friend is actually a Christian pastor now. And then he went the other way and he is a, uh, he's a preacher now within the Messianic Jewish um, way. So, it just shows that when you open yourself up and, and when I say you don't have a desire to maintain harmony or you're not scared to scared of conflict, you don't go into a situation wanting to argue or wanting to debate. But when things come up that you, number one, you don't understand, you should never be afraid to ask questions and get clarity. Because if you don't ask questions and get clarity, you're the one who becomes lost and you're at a loss. Right. So you want to make sure that before you join a group or before you uh, sign anything on the dotted line, whether that's a relationship, whether that's religion, whether that's politics, whether that's a job, whatever it may be, that you make sure that you completely understand what you're getting yourself into. All right. You need clarity. So so you need to ask those hard questions sometimes. Uh, Number two, when you hear something that doesn't vibe with your values, you need to speak up on that. You can't be scared to speak up when you think that something is going against your values or you're part of a group that's leaning away from your values. You got to speak up for that. And thirdly, you have to understand that you, although you may be a part of a, a group, that you are, you, still are, you are still an individual. You are still an individual. And you have the right, my brother and my sister, you have the freedom, my brother and my sister, to voice your opinions on whatever matter it may be. And that does not take away from your blackness. That does not take away from your whiteness, your Asianness, your your Hispanicness, or whatever it may be. If I'm in a group full of black people and I decided that I want to be conservative and vote Republican, it does not make me any less black than anybody in that room that's a, 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 a liberal and votes Democrat. It just doesn't. Okay? So we have to be bold enough and that's why I harp, I harp on, on Proverbs 28 and 1. Like the wicked flee when ain't nobody chasing them, but the righteous are bold as lions. Because well, we're not afraid. Because we understand that man can only put you in a grave. But God, once you're in that grave, can decide where your soul goes to. And that's what we need to be afraid of, God. And we'll look at that a little bit later as well. But uh, we can't always desire harmony. Sometimes there has to be conflict in order to get clarity, um, in order to push back against values that you, that you think don't vibe with your values. 
and to keep that individual aspect of yourself. All right. That, that's what makes you unique. And we should, if, if most of these people listen to podcasts and are adults, we should be adult enough to be able to disagree politically, religiously, and still be friends if they're really your friends, right? If they're really your family. That, that shouldn't be a point of contention or separation or breaking a fellowship, in my opinion. In my opinion. I, I have friends that we do not agree politically. We do not agree religiously. But I still would call them my brothers. Even to this day, if I, if I go to my hometown, I, I, I know me and my family have a place to stay. And, and me and that brother, uh, we do not agree religiously. We do not agree politically. But our relationship is not based on our political views, our religious views. It's based on the fact that I genuinely love that brother. He genuinely loves me and my family. I genuinely love him and his family. And that's how it should be. We have great discussions. It makes for great discussions whenever, when people in the room disagree on stuff. Like, I, I can't imagine sitting around a room where everybody agrees on stuff. What are you talking about then? Everybody just saying yes. And that's very dangerous when everybody says yes. And we'll look at that in a second as well. But anyway, <clears throat> to, so, so we, we looked at some of the factors of groupthink. So to go back, so one, in order to have groupthink, you need a strong leader or a dominant figure within a group. Or sometimes it's not a leader or a figure. Sometimes it's an idea. So, like, for instance, if you talk about Hitler, who is a dominant leader, the idea is to produce a pure Aryan nation. That was the idea. Right. If you talk about, um, for instance, uh, George Bush, who may not have been a strong leader, but the idea was placed in people's heads that, man, Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. We need to go invade Iraq. And created a 20-year war off of false information, off of groupthink, right? So to escape this, oh, I'm sorry, strong group leader or idea. The second factor was that uh, the, the, the group, the groupthink is, it's developed because of a lack of diversity within the group. Um, and then lastly, it's, it's the desire for people to maintain harmony and to avoid conflict uh, would be another factor within groupthink. But to escape groupthink, it requires individuals to be aware of all these factors and to be proactive in seeking out different perspectives. So if you want to know, the, I always tell people this, it, it, the truth of anything is always in the middle. So you got the right, you got the left, and then in the middle you got somewhere you got the truth. And that's on anything, politics, religion, relationships, whatever it may be. You have to get both sides of everything so you can get a clear understanding of what's going on. And then and only then can you really make a clear, coherent decision about stuff, right? Uh, this can involve seeking out individuals with different backgrounds and experiences. That's why it's good to have friends, a diverse group of friends. Or seeking out information that challenges the group's opinions and beliefs. So don't be afraid, okay, if you are a liberal. And as hard as it may be for you, don't be afraid to, for a week, just watch, just, just watch Fox. Just watch Fox and see what they say. Or, or go read uh, something from a, um, a right-leaning blog post or right-leaning newspaper. And just see what you think. Like you, you, you can't be afraid of that. I, I remember when um, I, I was moving t uh, toward this more messianic Jewish movement and 
kind of moving out of traditional Christianity, because I would say that Messianic Jews are the original Christians. Um, if you read your Bible, especially the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they never abandoned their Jewishness. Right. They, they remain Jews, but still believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So that's the whole basis of uh, Messianic Judaism. But uh, again, another podcast for another day. But they um, but even when coming to Messianic Judaism, there were so many things that I didn't have answers for. So I had to go read some things and understood that, well, some things that I was taught in the Christian church and I'm not knocking the Christian church in any way taught me taught, the Christian church. Uh, and the men that were in those Christian churches taught me everything I know today about how to be a man. And I, I 100% appreciate that, how to hold down a job, how to uh, interact with my kids and my wife and all these different things, right? Um, but they also, the last church I went to t- taught me how to get out of groupthink and challenge different things. Now, they may not have thought that I was challenging them, but it is what it is. Uh, but you come to a point where you, you, you find out that some of the things that you were told were not 100% accurate. And not by somebody trying to be malicious and lying to you, but just because the person they never knew, they were probably in group think they probably never asked the tough questions. And you start asking those tough, tough questions and, and your belief, you see your belief system slowly start to crumble. But that was a good thing for me because I understood the things that I believed were detrimental to my relationship with God. Um, so I had to tear some things down, like it says in uh, Jeremiah chapter one, I had some things had to be torn down so that the right things can be built up. Right. So Jeremiah chapter five verses, uh, Jer- I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Uh, but anyhow, so sometimes you have to get that alternative viewpoint so that you can get more information and so that you can grow. I mean, I, I think that's extremely, extremely important, extremely important. Um, it also requires individuals to be brave enough, check this out, brave enough to speak out and voice their opinions, even if they are in opposition of the rest of the group. So even if everybody says yes, you say no, everybody says no, you say yes. And this is for my brothers and sisters who may be listening to this and you are on the right side, right? You are conservative. And a lot of times I think conservatives like to react from things that liberals do. So being a conservative is not the sum of reacting to what a liberal does. So if a liberal, if a liberal likes it, then I hate it. Like, no, that's not what being conservative is. Conservative is a certain set of values, point blank, period. They are these set of values that make you conservative. So if there is a quote unquote Democrat uh, that is pushing certain values, it's okay to vote for them. That's why I say I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a conservative. And there are some Democrats that embody conservative values. Uh, I can't think of her name right now. Man, I think. Oh, every time I do this podcast, I have information for you guys. And, and, and really, I start going off on these tangents and I mention somebody or mention something and I'm not ready for it because I didn't prepare myself for it. I didn't know that I was going to talk about this. Um, but I'm going to look up the Democrat. Uh, uh, that left the party and she recently did so um, oh yes so Gabbard uh, Representative Gabbard her name is uh, Tulsi T-U-L-S-I Gabbard um, 
And this is the ABC's news article announcing that she is leaving um, the Democratic Party for a whole bunch of other for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but she was one of the people who was very outspoken about different things about that Joe Biden was doing that she didn't agree with, that Obama was doing that she didn't agree with. Very outspoken. She's she's very much a conservative Democrat. So she thought that the Democratic Party went way too left for her for her comfort for her comfort. So she just left the party altogether. Now she's an independent that leans to the right. Now, I loved her policies, but she was always a Democrat, but she had conservative policies. Bill Clinton, very conservative when he was in office. Now he's, you know, he's a spokesperson for the left now, but when he was in office, he was very conservative. So he was he was pro he was pro life. He signed the Defense of Marriage Act, so uh, uh, America uh, only validated marriage between one man and one woman things that he was he was he was tough on crime all these different things right that that a conservative loves about a politician so it's not that you're a part of a a particular political group but it's it's that you believe in these particular policies no matter who is pushing them so it requires individuals to be brave enough to speak out and voice their opinions, even if even if they're in the opposition. So if you're a conservative and somebody who is a Democrat has policies that you like and you don't trust the Republican that's voted that you're voting for in your county, in your state, in your city or whatever it is, it's OK to vote the Democrat. It's 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 completely OK if that Democrat is pushing those policies and has those values you believe in. Now, if they if the, if they overwhelmingly don't now, it's not about just one policy. But it's about overwhelmingly their campaign pushes has this platform. If they don't, then they'll vote for them, right? It's the same whether it's church, relationships, whatever, um, especially in marriage. I would say that it's, it's very important if you listen to this, you're single. It's very important to get someone who kind of aligns with you politically and um, religiously. Because if not, then that's – I'm not seeing too many relationships last that they're always arguing about politics and religion. And then when you get kids involved, it's a whole cluster of a mess. But anyway – so another way to escape a group thing is to encourage open and honest communication within the group. This is important so that everybody can level set and everybody can be on the same page. And you have opposition to maybe a very dangerous idea. And you have somebody of some wisdom that can speak up and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should not be doing this. Maybe this shouldn't be uh, the way we go about these things, right? Um, this involves creating an environment where individuals feel comfortable expressing their opinions and where the group is open to hearing different perspectives. So a lot of times when you know you're in groupthink is when you present a alternative perspective and it's immediately shut down, you're immediately shunned, you're ostracized, maybe even called names, maybe even kicked out of group and maybe even lose friendships, relationships and all those different things. If you've been through that, you know that you're a group thing. If you feel, if there has been a, if you're in a group and if you're in a friend's relationship, whatever it may be, and the atmosphere has been created that if anybody speaks out against what we're saying, it's going to be a problem. That's how you, you then you know you're in group thing. This is where people get slipped up when they join the Antifas and the Black Lives Matters and all these different things. Uh, when they, uh, January 6th, I know a lot of people on the right don't, don't like talking about that, but when January 6th happened, that was a cluster of a group think, ladies and gentlemen. No one in the group was, no, no 
people in that group are shouting, yo, this might not be a good thing. Let's turn around and go home. Everybody was screaming, let's go forward. Huge example of very recent groupthink. Um, later on, I might go through uh, a few different uh, famous groupthink uh, examples in history, or I just may put the the link down in the actually that link will be down in the podcast description. Uh, some very famous groupthink examples, um, and I may pick out one or two from the website. But having that open and honest um, communication is is extremely, extremely, extremely um, helpful. Uh, let's see here. So this can involve reading articles. I'm sorry, uh, we're talking about the communication. So uh, this involves creating an environment where individuals feel comfortable expressing their opinions and where the group is open to hearing different perspectives. Encouraging dissenting opinions and actively seeking out different perspectives can help prevent groupthink from taking hold and it helps you grow as an individual. It helps you grow as an individual. So listening to, learning, Dissenting arguments can help and, com- and really can completely turn your, your, your thought process. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I was a staunch supporter of the left, of Democrats and all that. Uh, I think last summer I read Up From Slavery from Booker T. Washington completely, completely changed how I thought. And then I read Woke Racism completely changed how I thought. Different, these, reading is fundamental, ladies and gentlemen. The reading is fundamental. I didn't know half the history when it came to the conservative movements and the Republicans and how black people were instrumental in that and how they were fought against slavery and Jim Crow and the KKK and all these different things. I didn't know any of that. Didn't know any of that until uh, I started reading. So there you go. Another way to ex- escape groupthink is to actively seek out information that challenges the group's belief. And a lot of people don't like you doing this because they know that their belief and their viewpoint has a million holes and is a bunch of BS. But if you have faith in what you truly believe, you're not scared of something else challenging it. That's why I loved I love the uh, character Morpheus and the uh, in the movie um, was a movie called Help Me Out, Help Me Out, Help Me Out. Ah, uh, why can't I? Um, why did I just go blank? Why did I just go blank? The Matrix. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. The Matrix. So I'm getting old, and my 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 brain is is failing me every now and again. So whatever. The Matrix. So the 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 character Morpheus in the Matrix. Obviously, we know that he believes that Neo is this quote unquote the one who will end the war between man and machine and bring freedom to Zion. All right. He believes it so much that he's willing to put his life on the line. He's willing to put other people's life on the line, even when they didn't ask for it. And when somebody tells him that they don't believe what he believes, he says, well, my beliefs don't require you to. That's how much he, he believed so much that Neo was the one that he was willing to put it to the test against anything. And that's how you have to be in your political beliefs in your religious beliefs, in your relationships. You need, you need to believe in your religion so much. I believe that I'm so right about my religion that I'm not afraid to discuss it with uh, people of Islam. I'm not afraid to discuss it with people of more uh, traditional Christianity, uh, Buddhism, whatever it is, because I believe in it and have faith in it that much. 
I believe in my political values and stances so much, I'm not afraid to be in a room, be the only conservative in the room. It doesn't frighten me because I, I'm very uh, uh, sure in my position. But people who are not sure in their position, they will surround themselves with yes people, with one viewpoint, with no alternatives, and this creates a dangerous precedent called, you guessed it, groupthink. So uh, this can involve reading articles or books that present alternative viewpoints. Excuse me, which I told you guys I just did that. Or attending events where different perspectives are presented. And not to attend, a, uh, not to attend the ev- event with the, with the agenda of starting an argument or a debate but attending the event, attend, excuse me, attending the event with genuine aspirations to understand the other side. With genuine aspirations to understand the other side. Because if I go attend something and I just showed up to debate and to argue, I'm not really listening and learning anything from this opposing side of mine. And we could find out that we have more in common, which I believe most people do. We have more in common than what we actually disagree on. All right. So it's important to be open to new information and to critically evaluate it rather than simply accepting it without question. And that's the problem in this new political social revolution in America that these ideas, so many ideas are thrown on people and they accept it without question. And I will say this as well. Just because you attend events or read books from different perspectives, it doesn't mean that you agree with it. It means, number one, that you may understand it a little more and it may push you to further disagree with it than you did before. That, that can also be something I, I read. I think it's Robin D'Angelo. I, I believe the name of the, uh, of the author is uh, there's a book called White Fragility, White Fragility. Terrible book. Uh, but the whole book talks about how racist America is, how because of American racism, that black people will, will never, ever be able to have the same uh, lifestyle as a white person, which this book was actually created by. I think she's a Black Lives Matter advocate. But again, this whole perpetuation of manifesting or, or, or speaking uh, uh, darkness unto black people uh, and disguising it as social justice uh, heroism. Uh, but anyway, again, I digress. Uh, but the book talks about how, well, um, if you don't have black friends, you're racist. But if you do have black friends and let everybody know, then you're racist. If if you uh, if you don't accept interracial um, marriages, then you're racist. But if you're a white man and all you want to date is black women, then you have a fetish and you're racist. Like like what? 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 This this book is so ridiculous. It's not even funny. Um, and the only reason I read it is because the book, the other book that I read called Woke Racism mentioned the book a lot and how foolish it was. So I was like, well, uh, let me see how foolish this book really is. I just don't want to take this brother's advice for it. Um, I don't I don't want to simply accept something without question. So I read White Fragility to try to understand this author, uh, Miss D'Angelo. And the brother that that wrote Woke Racism was 100 percent right about her. It's a, a foolish book. Uh, but. I now I, I understand, I understand more 
the people that's on the left and they want to be social justice heroes. I get it. And it made me also disagree even more. It made, my, it made me dig my toes even deeper now that I understand their agenda. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. It's important to remember that escaping groupthink is not just about avoiding negative outcomes, but it's also about encouraging creativity and innovation. When individuals are exposed to different perspectives and are encouraged to think independently, they are more likely to come up with new and creative solutions to problems. This can lead to improved decision making and better outcomes for the group. Groupthink can be a dangerous phenomenon that can lead to irrational or harmful decisions. Think the Holocaust. Think the transatlantic slave trade. Think summer of 2020 when they were burning down Minneapolis, Black Lives Matter. Think January 6th when they were rushing into uh, the Capitol. Escaping groupthink requires individuals to be aware of the dangers it poses and to be proactive in seeking out different perspectives and information. This involves encouraging open and honest communication, actively seeking out information that challenges the group's beliefs, and being brave enough to voice dissenting opinions. By breaking free from groupthink, individuals can improve their decision-making and promote creativity and innovation. Man, I like that. And let me, uh, let me read this to you real quick. Uh, and this is, this is what I promised to read you. This is from our Torah study. And it's from, uh, some of this is from the actual uh, pamphlet that we use. Uh, and then they're, they're using information from a brother by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a Christian theologian during the World War II era Germany. All right. And most of you, if you went to school, you know what happened during World War II Germany. It's the Holocaust, right? But he's a, he's a Lutheran theologian. And this is what Bonhoeffer had to say about groupthink. Or, or first, this is what the author of the pamphlet um, is explaining from, from Bonhoeffer. So it says, Bonhoeffer identified the problem in the World War II Germany and Western Europe, Europe as folly. Proverbs talks a lot about folly. This type of foolishness has nothing to do with the person's intellect. So remember, just because someone is stuck in groupthink don't mean they're stupid. They just check their brain at the door, right? Um, there's people with double PhDs that can be caught up in groupthink. One, one of the things I learned when I came over to Messianic Judaism, just learning more about the Jewish faith, one of the things I learned, the Messianic Jewish faith, one, one thing I learned is about the, um, the resurrection of, of Jesus, who I call Yeshua. And how people say that he rose on Sunday. But if you read the if you read the account, you understand that there's a there's two Sabbaths going on because the Passover is happening. So there's like the the, the Passover Sabbath and there's actually like the Saturday Sabbath that's going on. Uh, so even most Christian theologians would say that, yeah, he he actually was buried on Wednesday, got up on Saturday. Uh, but the, the additional Christian way is that, man, he was and he said, you know, I will give you the sign of Jonah. Jonah was in a, in a, in a large fish for three days and three nights. Correct. Uh, so he, he, so we know that Yeshua was in the ground for three days and three nights. Uh, but Christians would tell you that he would be buried on a Friday and he gets up on a Sunday. And we most of us would believe that with no questions asked. But the problem is you've now fallen into groupthink. Remember, so groupthink is one of those ones where you don't want to don't ask the questions because you want to keep the harmony. You don't want to rock the boat and you accept stuff with no questions asked. 
The problem is that I know there's a lot of people who maybe even be rocket scientists that are in the Christian church. Yet, for some reason, now all of a sudden you can't do math. Friday to Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, is not three days. What? It's not three days. So let's count together. Friday. Friday morning. So he, he was buried Friday night. So let's, let's get with that. Friday night to Saturday night. How many days is that, ladies and gentlemen? How many hours? 24. That's one day. Saturday night to Sunday morning. That gives you a day and a half. So by Christian math, the traditional Christian thought of three days, so Friday night to Saturday night would be one day. Saturday night to Sunday night would be another day. Mon- Sunday night to s- Monday night would be the third day. He would have to get up on a Monday. So that's just an example of how in group think you accept things that are so obviously wrong and not, of, not on purpose or not anything malicious, I believe, but it's just so obviously wrong and we just accept it with no questions. Example of group think. So it's, it's not a question of intelligence. Uh, continuing, Bonhoeffer observed that the human beings are psychologically and sociologically hardwired to surrender independent critical thought when sharing in a socially connected movement under the influence of a powerful leader or ideology, whether that's Hitler, whether that's Trump, whether that's Biden or an ideology like Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, uh, no justice, no peace, defund the police, different things of that nation, uh, different things of that 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 uh, that deal there. He described people surrendering their ability to think independently, replacing critical thinking with slogans and catchwords, and deliberately ignoring all contradictory information that might challenge the social conscious they advocate. Again, no justice, no peace. Defund the police. And if you black and you ain't with defunding the police, then you siding with the police so you can't be black. If you black and you join the police force, you ain't really black because we trying to defund the police. So, so that you get caught up in these catchphrases. And because you're in group think, you don't realize how detrimental these actions really are if you pulled them off. So Bonhoeffer, so according to Bonhoeffer, folly is a proponent to the amount of, is proportionate to the amount of social connectivity people share during a time of rising power. So in his mind, to break it down, the more socially connected we are, the more likely you'll be caught up in groupthink. And I would argue that we're more socially connected today than we've ever been in human history which is why you see us so polarized in politics, polarized in religion, racially polarized, all these different things, because there's been a rise of groupthink because the tide of groupthink rises with the tide of social connectivity. That is during the rise of an influential leader, a powerful movement, when human beings are socially connected and under the influence of a powerful leader, brains go offline and we surrender independent thought to collective groupthink. That's how you get madness and folly. Now, Bonhoeffer, in his own words, says this. Every strong upspurge of power in the public sphere, be it of a political or religious nature, infects a large part of humankind with folly. It would even seem that it is virtually a sociological or psychological 
Under the overwhelming impact of a rising power, humans are deprived of their inner in- independence and more or less, uh, <clears throat> more or less uh, uh, consciously give up. Um, they consciously give up establishing an autonomous position toward the emerging circumstances. One virtually feels that one is dealing not at all with the person, but with slogans, catchwords. So when you say these Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, defund the police, no justice, no peace, defund, you don't understand the impact you're having actually on people. You don't see the people you impact. You just think you're part of this movement that's benefiting you. When in actuality, black people, I don't think any of those movements, defunding the police when black people for the most part, and this is broad brushing, but black people for the most part in America live in underdeserved economical, uh, uh, economic, under, underserved, economically depressed neighborhoods, which leads to crime. That's saying most black people live in poverty. And that leads to crime. Which means you need the police. You don't need to defund the police. You need the police. Um, also, in order to build a strong community, you need to build a strong family. You can't do that with transgenders. So trans lives matter doesn't really doesn't really work for you. And then black lives seem to only matter when it's a white cop killing a black man. And even when five black officers, like happened in Memphis, killed a black man, is still blamed on white supremacy, which can completely confused the mess out of me uh but again it's black lives matter is a organization based on racial idolatry not on true justice justice is only found in the bible that's the only place you're going to get true justice is god's justice anything else is just a fake and a sham but anyway it says that um it says one virtually feels that one is dealing not only with a person but with slogans catchwords and the like that have taken possession of him and he is under a spell. That's why you keep hearing these people chant this stuff over and over and over and over. It's like a seance, blinded, misused and abused in his very being, having thus become a mindless tool. The foolish person will also be capable of any evil at the same time and capable of seeing that is evil, like tearing down your own community, like harming your own elected officials. This is where the danger of dialogue, uh, or shooting people up at a Planned Parenthood. I don't agree with Planned Parenthood. I am 100% pro-life, but I ain't about to kill nobody. That's ridiculous. This is where the danger of diabolical misuse lurks, for it is this that uh, can once and for all destroy human beings. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, After 10 Years in Letters and Papers from Prison. So, um, the pamphlet goes on and says, uh, if that if that description sounds like the great political and social division of our culture, of our culture, our culture suffers today. Remember that the modern world enjoys unprecedented social connectivity during a time of several rising powers. We are brewing up the perfect storm of madness, folly and baseless hatred. What's the way out of folly and baseless hatred? According to Bonhoeffer, it is the fear of the Lord. Measuring ourselves before God, not before others. So uh, I'll, I'll keep going. Bonhoeffer said only an act of liberation, not insurrection, can overcome foolishness. The word of the Bible that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom declares that the internal liberation of human beings to live the responsible life 
before God is the only genuine way to overcome foolishness. In other words, Bonhoeffer wants us to disconnect from people's social, religious, and political agendas. He wants us to pay attention only to the fear of the Lord as it applies to us personally. So to break it down, we do not define ourselves, black people, by your blackness. We define ourselves by the word of God. White folks, you can't go out there, define yourselves by the reaction to the left or to the right politically. But if you believe in the Bible, you have to define your life by the values that the Bible has given us. Your racial ethnicity does not define you. God does because it was not in your your it was not in your racial identity. It's not in your political. It's not in your um, uh, your race, your political affiliation, who you're married to, uh, your your sexual orientation. None of that stuff gives you identity. God gave you identity the day that you were born. The Bible in Genesis that says that human beings are made in the likeness of our Creator. So our identity has to be wrapped up in him and in him alone. And our values have to line up with his values. So if the values that are in the Bible are the sanctity of life, strong family values, being fiscally responsible, not having a government lord over you, and if those values happen to line up with a conservative way, then that is what it is. If those values lined up with the liberal way, which they don't, But if they did, hell, I would be a liberal. But they more line up with the conservative values. That's why I'm conservative. I'm not conservative because I love Donald Trump. I'm not conservative because I 100% agree with the Republican Party's platform. I'm conservative because the Bible's conservative. Point blank, period. Lastly, the beginning of wisdom calls for individual accountability. Just did a podcast on that. It forces us to measure our own individual acts and words against God's standard, not against the black standard, not against black culture, not against the European standard or European culture, against God's standard. Because before I'm black, I'm a child of God, first and foremost. I know a lot of people don't want want to listen to that, but before I'm black, I'm a child of God. And if you really believe in this Bible, and if you really believe in God, and you believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God, then you would follow suit. Continuing, it forces us to measure our own individual acts and words against God's standards apart from the uh, societal consciousness without regard for the dominant narratives or counter narratives. This is why our Torah portion says you shall not fall in with the many to do evil. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil. And the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of folks, because they're in groupthink, do not even know that they're doing evil. But my hope is that because you listen to this podcast, you can identify groupthink. And if you're in it, you can escape it and become a better person by doing so. Listen, y'all, that's all I have for today. As always, light up the darkness, change the world, be well.